What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 31 of the Java Talks. Today, we have Karuna Pyle himself. Man, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? You know, man, I can't complain. It's a beautiful day outside, but I'm still stuck at home, and that's how it should be. You know, I've been here, you know, I'm going to be in my room for the next two weeks under mandatory state quarantine in Hawaii, so I understand what you're saying here. It's a beautiful day outside, too, though, but a great day to talk. How's summer been treating you so far with the transition, with everything mm -hmm. kind of just being the way it is? Well, you know, I think I didn't expect, I don't think anyone could have expected everything that happened from learning about coronavirus to school being shut down to a ton of people's internships being shut down. You know, I think I consider myself lucky. I had my internship was canceled that I was going to have, but you know, through some friends that I had, I was able to snag another one. So now I'm working remotely. It's, it's been interesting to see how everyone takes this and is making something of it. I think it's, it's interesting because I see a lot of people passionate about a lot of things who are finally taking that action, you know, do an art project that a friend who just released a song on Spotify a couple of weeks ago. So it's really cool to see I guess, how people who are stuck now, plans completely thrown off, kind of adjusting to the new scenarios, what's going on. So I've been trying to do that too, you know, trying to stay healthy. But summer's been, it's been a very different summer than I thought it would be. I've been indoors a whole lot more than I thought I would be this summer. I'm happy to be working. I'm excited to come back to ASU and I'm hoping that people can be a little bit more careful so that we can get back to the way that we were before. But I don't know how long that'll take, but you know, I consider myself lucky this summer. You know, how about you though, RJ? I see that you're, you're one of the people starting your little passion projects up, right? So how's How's your summer been? You know, I think we started April 12th, which is like right around that elections time frame. Mm -hmm. And it was cool because it was just about, my passion has always been just talking to students. You know, like I think you and I were talking a little bit before camera that it's important to hear other perspectives. You know, like I think what's, what's always been interesting for me with when I came to ASU two years ago and up to last year was these, this media content. And I really wanted, you know, I wasn't doing anything else. I was sleeping until 11 a.m., going to bed at like 3 a.m. I was like, I might as well do something with, what with, with my time so I wanted to create stuff I wanted to basically do this so it's been it's given my summer a little bit more purpose I guess and I think it's a good purpose to have you know I think it's always good to talk to people like you talk to people that are passionate about a topic and aren't afraid to talk about it and are comfortable with talking about it you know I think that there's I don't want to put anyone in a bad spot no, I think it's really cool what you've been doing I've been watching you know just seeing people across ASU everyone's got you know their own background their own opinions on things it's cool that someone's reaching out to everybody trying to see what's going on especially now and you know, we could be so disconnected, but it's cool that you're getting this opportunity to actually connect people even more than we were before. For sure. And I think it's going to be interesting looking at the way kind of the fall opens up. How do you feel about the reopening? Like I, you kind of said that you're, you're looking forward to coming back. How do you feel about everything going on? Yeah, well, I think that ASU, it seems like they're heading towards a smart place, right? They're, they're letting people be online if they want to. And, you know, I'm always, I'm all for going in person if, if you, you know, if the university feels it's safe. I don't feel that we're at that point yet, so I don't, I don't think that I'm going to be going in person until the spring, but I think that it seems like they've at least been planning. I hope that they tell everyone what their final plan is pretty soon, because I know a lot of people who are, who are struggling with if they're going to get housing on campus or, you know, what are they going to, what they're going to do as far as whether they're going to come back to Arizona or not. So I, I'm coming back for the time difference because I'm working at the same time, just so it's more comfortable in that way. As far as being on campus, you know, I'm hoping that it becomes safer by the spring semester. You know, I got my fingers crossed, but I think that at least I like the communication. You know, they've been sending out updates every every time they make a major change, but I'd like to see further down the road what the plan's gonna be, you know, because it still seems like there might be some changes that we're not aware of yet. For sure. Do you think that they're listening to students during like all of this? Like I know I know that's probably like a really like upfront question, but at mm -hmm. the same time, like with everything that's going on with all the movements, with 
I want to talk about Aramark with you down there in a little bit as well, but like with everything going on, do you think that they're taking student input into consideration? You know, there is, and this is interesting, I'll, I'll bring up what, what we were doing with Aramark later too, but I think that in, in trying to actually talk to the administration, there are certainly people who have been open to talking to students within the administration. I don't know if the university as a whole has committed to making any moves on behalf of their students based on any of the things that are going on right now. I mean, it sounds like they're at least listening a little bit, which is, I mean, they're a huge university, so I would understand if they could, like, they could easily just pretend like they didn't know anything was happening, right? But I think I commend them for at least listening to what people are saying. I think that they could be doing more on the information communication standpoint, especially with reopening, with, you know, how housing is going to work for people, all of that, right? But it seems like, I don't know, I'm kind of halfway there right now. So hopefully, they, hopefully they, they keep listening and they continue to do so more than they did in the past. But I think that I see that they could be doing that. What's been interesting, and I guess probably the most, I guess beneficial might not be the best word, but kind of the beneficial thing of everything that's happened is that it's, it's brought to light a lot of the flaws at ASU, right? Or mm -hmm. it, in America as a whole, right? And looking at what's been going on, communication should have been a priority, like regardless. And I right. think that what we're seeing right now is that a lot of people, like I was talking to someone this morning and they were, they waited four hours to talk to financial assistance, you know, like yeah. with everything going on, that's a really tough place to be. And I think that it's just bringing to light a lot of these, these institutional challenges and shortcomings that we're having at the university. And I'm kind of glad that it's getting better, but at the same time, like, where should it be? You know, like yeah. where, what, what should students expect from their university, I guess? Yeah. You know, I had a friend who had, been living on campus and had a plan to live on campus next year because of this situation. She's not going to be living on campus anymore, but it took, I don't know, it took two weeks, I think, to get an exemption in housing group from the dean who was in charge of that for her school. So again, yeah, I, I agree with you, right? It's showing, it's bringing to light all the flaws and, you know, where they need to get better communicating because, I mean, I know, I know they don't have the infrastructure of every student where to call in at the same time, but, you know, it definitely sounds like they're, un they're realizing that there's been issues they need to fix going forward. So hopefully they take an opportunity to actually innovate. You know, they like that innovation, right? Hopefully they take that opportunity. They can make things better so that next time there's a big emergency going on, everyone knows what's happening at the same time. That's what I hope at least. For sure. Let's talk about housing and let's talk about exemptions and let's talk about Airmark. Right. 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 right let's right. talk about what brought you to that in the first place. So I, I've been, I've been living on campus for three years. I was a CA my sophomore year. I was a lead CA this past year. Freshman year, I was very involved with housing. They have like student kind of a student organization part, RHA, which has community councils that kind of make decisions sometimes on what goes on within each residence hall. So I was on that. You know, the biggest name that you hear is Airmark, right? You hear Airmark all the time. Even if you're in another student org, because they have a monopoly on all the dining services on campus. And what brought me to what's going on right now, and for some background, me and a ton of other people at ASU were frustrated about the situations Airmark has been involved with, the controversial things they've done, and Airmark's sort of or ASU sort of non-response to that situation and their continued contract, which has been going on for 13 years now, it's still going to go on five more years. And they're, you know, they haven't really responded to a lot of controversial things they're remarkably done. I watched 13th, which is a documentary on Netflix. I think everyone should watch. It's great about the prison industrial complex, how it was formed as a sort of on a sort of result of the of, of abolishment of slavery and of systemic racism that continued on despite that. And even today, you know, we've had people in prisons who they're working for free because you're allowed to have unpaid labor as a punishment for a crime. Well, Aramark is one of the companies that employs, employs prisoners and doesn't pay them anything. They've had, you know, they had a class auction lawsuit against them in 2019 for that in California because there were dozens of prisoners who were working in the dining halls, serving food. They weren't getting paid a dime. 
right? So even if people are in prison, they deserve to get the money that they're, they're working for, right? I don't think that it makes sense to be for your debt to society to be paid by working for a private company and making the money so they don't have to pay people while they're taking away millions of dollars. Right. And my issue with ASU is that on top of all of the issues Aramark has had, if not complaints against them for abusing their the prisoners at the places they work for feeding maggots and rocks and trash to people there and like harassment and discrimination against their own employees even. Here at ASU, everyone who lives on campus is required to buy a meal plan. That has been an issue for a lot of people. When I was a CA, I had residents who had dietary issues where they couldn't really eat at the dining halls a lot because the dining halls didn't have food that matched what they needed. So they just, you know, they either ate a salad every single day or they wasted all the money that they'd spent. And that's, you know, 2000, I did the math. It's over $2,000 a semester. That adds up to 11 bucks a meal, the 14 meals a week meal plan that a lot of people like to get. So you're essentially paying this company Aramark 11 bucks a meal. That's more than you would go out to McDonald's, you know, and it's every single student who lives on campus who isn't a first, first year student or someone living in one of the traditional residence halls with a dining, a dining hall, you know, and they have to pay to this company. So we got people who are outraged at the controversies that have been making national news around Aramark. And then you got ASU, where if you go here and you live on campus, you have to pay them thousands of dollars a year. And so out of that, a group of my friends started a email campaign to email Michael Crow and some other people within the administration who have power over this, asking them, hey, did you know about all of this going on with Aramark? We would like to have a conversation about ending the required meal plans and about changing the contract when it's possible. And they responded by sending a statement from Aramark talking about how they won diversity awards. Um, so, you know, I think it was a little out of touch to say, hey, you know, look, we got the top 50 best place to work for diversity. You know, at the same time, they're one of the major operators of private prisons, which profit off of keeping people in prison for minor crimes, you know, marijuana possession, and then using them for unpaid labor while they're taking away millions of dollars. So at the end of the day, the issue here, I think, is that everyone is forced to pay and buy into this. Even if they're just eating at a restaurant on campus, they're all operated by Aramark. And then that money goes into what I believe is an ethical system of, you know, private prisons that go for profit. And it's especially now a lot, a new light is being shined on the criminal justice system, especially with the death of George Floyd, with the murder of George Floyd recently and all of the other police brutality events that have been going on. People are looking and they're seeing, hey, this system's a little bit messed up. So I think at ASU, why are we paying into this is going to be a big question going forward. And we already have a petition out that's got 1500 signatures. It got that much in about three weeks. So we're hoping that we're, we're right now trying to work on alternatives for post ASU, but we're hoping they sit down with students more so than just excusing it or saying, hey, we have awards, so it's fine. But actually trying to innovate again, a new way that aligns with their charter a little bit more and that's, that goes above what other universities are doing and actually live that new American university dream they got, you know, by actually taking steps forward. And Michael Crow has said that he wants to get feedback from students, wants to take steps to work on getting rid of systemic racism that ASU might be involved with. So hopefully it actually works out. We're still in that kind of beginning stage, but you know, we've been seeing people from ASU actually responding. And so hopefully going forward, we get more of that and we're able to bring in more students who have different perspectives on the issue and get a solution going. What's interesting for me, I mean, first $11 a meal is crazy. That's yeah. like $3 more than a Chipotle bowl, which is exactly. phenomenal. What I what is really interesting to me is I remember going to a Dr. Crow forum at one point back in like October or something, and I think a, some a student on the West Campus brought it up. She was, she just brought up how Aramark has a history of mistreating their employees and mistreating kind of the way that they handle their their distribution of food. Dr. Crow brought it up. He was like, if there's complaints, bring it up. You know, let's let's do something about it. And I thought that was a great first step. But you know, I'm not really seeing anything 
I would, I would assume after 1500 signatures that you would expect the university to say something, not release a statement from Aramark. And I think a problem with that too, you know, they say, give us your feedback. It's actually Aramark taking the feedback. Aramark comes to RHA meetings and they go to residence halls with their surveys and they sit in front of the MU and they get people to tell them what they think is wrong. Well, if you tell Aramark, hey, I think you should stop treating prisoners the way you do. Hey, I think you should, you should own up to the mistakes that you've made. You know, 2018, two different universities, they, should, they had a racist Black History Month display. You can look it up. This stuff is very prominent controversy. If you go to their Wikipedia page, half of it is about problems that they have, right? So if you tell Aramark that, hey, I don't like this about your company, they're not going to do anything about it. It's their company, right? So ASU, I think, needs to be the ones to take that feedback and actually work out something where at least if people, students here don't want to support Aramark, they don't have to, right? They can spend 10 bucks at Chipotle instead of 11 bucks at the dining hall and get a burger or salad or whatever they need. And what's even more problematic is that all these people, all these employees at ASU are students. You know, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't blame them for Aramark being as bad as it is. You know, I think I blame the, the, the situation that they're in. So putting them in a backlight right. isn't the, the best option to get feedback either. Exactly, right. And then, you know, the students are important too. The student employees, there's hundreds of them who their main job is Aramark. And so they're kind of trapped into working for this company that even if, if ASU were to cancel their contract right now, we got to make sure that ASU doesn't forget the students who work for Aramark, right? We don't, we want to make sure they're not out of their jobs. We've gotten some feedback and dialogue with people who work at Aramark. There's some international students here who have to work on campus in order to keep their visas. And that work on campus is through the dining halls and it's through the pod and it's through all these other restaurants. So Aramark having a monopoly on this, they're kind of by intention or not able to kind of hold a ton of students hostage in keeping this contract the way they feel like it because people are scared that they're going to lose their jobs. Now, that's a big part of what we want to do too. If I'm going to talk to somebody in the administration who's actually thinking about the same thing, I'm going to ask them also if they're willing to commit to make sure everyone who's got a job now would keep their job in the future if they replace Aramark with a different company or system. But, you know, even people who work for Aramark have signed our petition. One of the feedback pieces on our petition is from a guy who used to work at Aramark for a very long time, not even a student, who was fired in 2018 because of retaliation because they had said something bad about the company or they had complained. But, you know, a lot of people here have been working. We got supervisors, former supervisors at the pods saying they were racially discriminated against. Students here who were saying that they were treated poorly, that their hours weren't, that their hours weren't respected. We got a lot of problems here that even the people who work for Airmark are saying, hey, we don't like this company. So I think that we need to make sure that ASU, if they're gonna hold themselves accountable, if they find that Aramark doesn't align with their values, they got to find a replacement. And it's got to be one that also keeps the people who are working here employed so that they're not losing their visas or, you know, unable to afford college. But they got to do something about it. I think there's a real moral duty here to actually make a difference. Is this just Aramark or is this also going to be about Sodexo as well? Yeah, so Sodexo used to be ASU's provider. They're NAU's right now. They're they're honestly pretty much as bad as Aramark is as far as controversies and you know, they also operate in U.S. prisons. And that's, that's a real interesting part of what we're trying to work around here. There's three huge groups, Aramark being one, Sodexo being the second, and then the third is Compass Group. Compass Group doesn't operate in U.S. prisons, but they do operate around the world in prisons. And so, although a little bit better, that's what NYU switched to. We're thinking that if we really want to make a real difference here, you know, if ASU wants to take that step to, to make real change, they're going to have to figure out a system that doesn't rely on a contract with companies that have these, you know, prison groups as well. You know, we're, we're trying to work through a lot of different possible solutions and talk to people who work at ASU in their purchasing department, you know, people in the CFO's office who 
who understand these contracts and why they're here. Just, you know, some of the, the basic ideas, ASU might be able to have local businesses run the, the restaurant spaces within the MU, that they could lease out those spaces, they own them, those aren't owned by Airmark, so they could replace those restaurants at least so that there are some options. Dining halls, there are other companies that run just dining halls that don't have to take over the entire infrastructure. So we're trying to research those opportunities for change that don't rely on the big three companies that are doing essentially the same thing that Aramark does. Karina, what got you into advocacy in general, right? Because I'm hearing a lot of passion. I'm hearing a lot of like formulated yeah. ideas. What got you into it? Well, so I, you know, I grew up in Honolulu, which is a place that you can see a lot of issues in, in where I, I live, right? So I'm in downtown Honolulu. It's not, you know, the safest place. There's a lot of corruption in the police department where, you know, there's human trafficking rings that operate and then HPD got in the big controversies for allowing their their officers to solicit prostitutes in order to investigate them some of them were you know it was it was really bad right so I'm, I'm just seeing social problems going on people suffering you know I live across the street from an from a middle school which has it's very low income community and these people don't have a lot of help from the education department so I first got started in advocacy by caring about education okay so I went I was uh, lucky enough to go to a private school in Hawaii, which unfortunately is better than a lot of the public schools in most of the areas that I lived in. And so my first thing that I cared about was making sure that everyone had equal opportunities for education, right? So when I graduated high school, I've been working each summer until now with an organization from my high school that was a public-private partnership with the state of Hawaii, where they bring in kids from public schools all around the islands, all around the state, in order to get a free education every summer and then hopefully help them get into college. And while I was working with that, I've seen that, you know, it's, it's obvious that people don't think like don't have, it's obvious that people are not less deserving of opportunity because of where they grew up, because of their family, because of their backgrounds or anything at all. So it's, it's just crazy to me that some places don't really help them on the way to success that as much as we could. Right. And so education was so important to me when I came to ASU, the whole reason I'm here is because I'm part of the next generation service Corps. Um, it's a you know it's a four-year leadership program where where people can, like start off by naming a social issue that they're passionate about and they they kind of name that as a mission that they go through for four years to try and impact right at ASU. So mine was about education inequity, which in Arizona is also really bad. So coming here, I've just been able to see and talk to a lot of people who have gone through tough experiences, who who you know have unfortunately been treated by the system, you know maybe not by individual people, but by the system is less equal than others. And I think that it's, you know, it's the duty of people who are fortunate enough to grow up able to not be negatively affected by that, to try and make sure that everyone else also gets that opportunity too. And so that's why I've been caring. So every time I, I see an issue going on, a problem that I can actually try to address as an ASU student, I've tried to solve it. And so this is just a step in that. And I wasn't the person who started this Aramark campaign. There were 40 people who were at the same time just as passionate. So I think that just this, this massive group of people who have signed on to our petition already, it shows that people at ASU care about the issues going on and they see them and that they need to be able to push the administration and further than that, push the state, push the country to do right by the people who unfortunately have not been done right by the system so far. Is this something that you want to do post-graduation as well? Like continue advocacy, continue kind of what you're doing with NGSC? Yeah. So, I mean, when I, when I first started at ASU, I wanted to be a civil rights attorney when I graduated and, you know, so far I have not taken the LSAT. So we'll, you know, probably not going to be an attorney. <laughs> I always, I always want to be involved as much as I can. Like if I see an opportunity for myself to make a positive change, I'm going to take it. And that in whatever context that might be, NGSC, it teaches you about how in any sector you're working in, you can make a difference. 
I'm, my major is business and data analytics and marketing. I'm probably going to go into like a private sector company. I'm working at Intel right now as an internship. So if, even if I go into technology, for example, there's all kinds of different different ways that different organizations, groups, sectors throughout the world are able to contribute, you know, to making life better for everybody. So yeah, if I see if I see an opportunity, I'm going to take it, and sure. I'll always be volunteering with any groups that I can to make a difference in my community too. Let's talk about the current situation right now with over the yeah. last like few months since around May, since the death of George Floyd, since the murder of George Floyd, you've definitely been one of the most vocal people on my Twitter. You've definitely been one of the most outspoken people. And we've talked about this a little bit before came uh, before we got on recording too, about the importance of listening to the, the every side, right? right? How have you been able to balance all of that? I think it's social media is an interesting place. I see a lot of people getting their information off social media. I see a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of throwing out half formulated thoughts. And that's, again, they're right. They can do what they can do that if they feel like it. But how have you been able to kind of balance all of that? Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing about social media, right? You're, you're essentially open up your window and just screaming out the window to everybody. So you're, for me, a lot of the times that I tweet about stuff, you know, if I see something, it's really easy to, to read into it, find out, you know, what problem's going on and then say what you think, right? I've, I always try to keep an open mind in listening to people who think differently than I do. I think that there are certain things that are, that are not like a basis of opinion, right? You know, I think human rights is kind of a fact. You can't really disagree with someone on whether someone deserves the same rights as somebody else in my, in my book, right? So I'm not essentially going to be like, hey, tell me about why you think that Black people don't deserve to be treated the same under the law. You know, I hate that. So I've seen people who have said stuff like that and I don't really respond. But my the way that I have been responding to all of the, the discourse on Twitter and, you know, social media, Facebook, all this stuff is that I have a lot of friends who are vocal too. And I got a lot of people who I, who I am connected with who are very vocal in the other opinions that are not really the same as mine. And I, I promised myself that I wouldn't just block people who said things I don't like, but instead I would reply to them and try to, find out why they think the way they do and if it's possible to change their mind. And if it's not, then I just kind of stop talking to them in that sense. But, you know, I think it's been very helpful to understand why people think that the way they do, you know, where they're getting their info, what, what whatever it comes from, you know, I, most people aren't hateful people. I think on the inside, a lot of people are just ignorant and they don't understand what's going on. So, you know, when people were saying defund the police, and there were people who were like, what are you talking about? You know, we can't, we can't defund the police. We can't have no police. You just want anarchy. I'm somewhere in the middle of that, but I can understand both sides of the statements. I really, what I care about is making sure that the world ends up a better place with justice for everybody, you know, like we're supposed to have. And a lot of, a lot of those issues that are coming on right now are highlighting things that a lot of people were just completely ignorant about in the past, including myself. So it's, it's been a time of learning about the history of the system that we're growing up in and seeing what we could possibly do to be active enough to change or things that we should be talking about as people who have a lot of time on our hands to talk about things. I want to wrap this up by talking about November elections. It's a, it's a huge year. We got yeah. Biden, Trump, and now apparently Kanye. Which, Kanye West, you know. Jesus Christ, where did that come from? But what are I your mean, thoughts about what are your thoughts about November? What's going on? Well, I think that Kanye is going to win um, <laughs> easily. Do you know he's running no. with the birthday party? Because when he wins, it's a party <laughs> for everyone. The birthday, yeah, because it's everyone's birthday when he wins. His, his slogan is yes. I don't know. You know, I, my stance is that, you know, myself, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. I know a lot of people who don't want to, you know, and I, I see the reasons why. And I see the reasons why it's, you know, there, there's a big argument right now about whether or not voting third party or not voting is hurtful. Because in the end of the day, most people who aren't going to vote for anybody 
don't like what's going on in the administration right now. They want to see that change, but they're not willing to vote for Biden. You know, I think that personally, the reason I'm voting for Joe Biden is because I think that out of out of a, a system where there's always two candidates and one of them always wins at this point in time, I think that there's a lot of damage going on in the country. And the, the changes that I want to see, I don't think are going to happen under the current administration. So I'm just voting for, for a little bit of change for now. And then maybe four, eight years from now, we can get we can get someone better in there, in my opinion, just because I didn't I didn't vote for Joe Biden in the primaries. But realistically, I know that there's there's a lot of passion around elections, especially right now. You know, I've never seen as many young people interested in what's going on in the country. And, you know, maybe that's for a bad reason, but people are kind of getting their eyes open too at the same time. Right. So I think that unfortunately, the realistic solution is is going to be a two party system here this year where we have to vote one or the other. And if you don't vote for one or the other, then you know that's okay. But a lot of the ideals that people see want to see happen are only going to happen under one out of those two candidates. So personally, I don't like telling people what they should do, but I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. I think that Trump has shown, you know, the, this carelessness over the coronavirus and then complete insensitivity, that insensitivity over the racism going on in the system that we're perpetuating here. Those are the two major things right now, I think. And so with those, that's how I made my choice. Sure. And I was a big yeah. Yang Yang guy. The, this really? entire time, I love Andrew Yang. I thought he, I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. I'm just going to throw that out there. And I saw Joe, I saw Andrew Yang and Bernie Sanders on the Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. separately. And I love their ability to formulate ideas. I was a big Bernie guy too. Right. I don't think I align with everything that he says. I think I'm more middle, middle right. But I, I loved their approach. I loved the way they talked about things. And what I've recently been seeing about Yang is that He's been supporting a lot of what Biden's been saying. He's been pushing a lot of what Biden's been saying. And I, I'm seeing unification on one side. And the mm-hmm. other side, I'm just seeing, I'm seeing a dude that's saying the Kung flu virus, which is so tone yeah. deaf, so tone deaf. Exactly. I'm seeing a guy that never posted anything in support of Black people in America, which, again, lack of situational awareness with Trump. I think at this point, Suk Singh, she was one of the guests that we had on the show. Mm-hmm. I saw her tweet this the other day where she said, you can expect some change under Biden. Maybe it's not everything that you want. Maybe it's not 100%, but you're going to get nothing with Trump. Maybe you don't like him. Maybe you don't like Biden. There's nothing wrong with wanting progress, you know? Right. And I think that's why I'm ultimately going to be voting for Joe Biden too. Yeah, you know, I think that taking one step forward, it's not as good as taking 10 steps forward, but it's better than taking 20 steps backward, right? So I think that it's the same thing for me. I supported various different people throughout the primary. I ended up voting for Bernie, but I think that it's, it's, it's not just who's the president, right, who you're voting for, but it's also the entire administration. You know, you have the Supreme Court on the line. At least two justices are going to probably retire in the next four years. You got people running the education department, like Betsy DeVos right now, who's saying that people, schools got to reopen. And yeah, you know, like, talk, did you see today their Trump just, their administration just decided that they're going to cut funding to schools that don't publicly reopen five days a week. Like, come on, you're not going to get middle school kids to wear masks and social distance. And in Arizona, we're already, what, 5,000 cases a day? We're going to get right. 5,000 kids a day getting coronavirus if we're opening up our public schools again in like a month from now, right? So, yeah, I think getting the most responsible people who are able to do the job they're supposed to do into all of these different positions, having the Supreme Court be, you know, who's going to fairly hold up the law rather than who's going to be partisan and vote for what the Republicans say or vote for what the Democrats say, you know? I think that that's what's ultimately the most important thing. And so for that, I'm seeing that Biden's got the plans. He's got the people who he wants to put in different seats that he's talking about. And he's committing to having, you know, an administration that represents everyone in America. Right. So that's, that's where I'm going this November. 
we'll see. You know, if Kanye comes out and suddenly reverse his course and you know who knows who knows what's gonna happen who knows if he's gonna take this election sweep it all <laughs> you know kanye 2020 i don't know but <laughs> a kanye musk elon a kanye and elon musk ticket is just dynamic see i don't know i don't know you know maybe they'll come in and surprise everybody we'll all be we'll be changing the national anthem to power you know we'll be wearing yeezys right who knows beautiful words to add in this segment but karuna thank you so much for coming on the java talks man it was, it was always a pleasure yeah it was great thank you for inviting me on here so always happy to be here